in your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 6 down to 15. Colossians 2, we'll start with verse 6, move all the way down to verse 15. We ready? So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. This is good news. And Lord, there's a lot of distractions in the room, outside the room. There's a lot of things going on in our lives, but we desperately need Jesus. Lord, help us continue in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, about 25 years ago, McDonald's in, used a strategy called upselling. They taught their registers, their uh, cashiers, how to help sell more menu items. And you guys know this by the slogan, do you want fries with that? Did you know that simple question helped lead to a 25% increase of business revenue, annual revenue for McDonald's. 16-year-olds were adding to the bottom line a 25% increase. Do you want fries with that? You may not need more, but you're encouraged to take more. How about iPhones? I'm not going to ask how many people have an iPhone. Uh, my dad says he will never go to a smartphone until the day he did, and now we're having trouble figuring out how to use the smartphone, but many of you guys have smartphones, iPhones, whatever. Did you know since 2007, there have been 37 new phones? Just a matter of time until the phone you have is outdated. I personally have the six iPhone 6S. I am way behind. My battery drains in about 25 minutes, right? Not a very good phone, but it works. And I refuse to upgrade, at least for the moment, until it smashes on the ground one day, and I'll have to. There's always something to upgrade. Now, when it comes to McDonald's and it comes to phones, that's one thing. But we also, many times, do the same thing spiritually. As if there was an upgrade to the gospel. 
And right here, what Paul is encouraging the church to do is saying, hey, as you received Christ, walk in Him. Live your life in Him through faith. And this is where the rubber meets the road. There's many people that have heard of the gospel, that have attended this church, that are no longer here. We took a trip. It's been probably about seven years. And I, I counted the, the number. We had 28 people on this trip. Many high school students. 14 of the 28 are still with us. Now, some have moved away, and, and that's one thing. But others have just moved on from Christ. They're not with us anymore. Barna, a research company, did a, uh, a study on people leaving the church. Did you know every day 3,500 people leave the church? Over 1.2 million people will leave the church this year. And the majority are young people. So here's my question. Paul's going to answer this question. How are you going to continue in Christ? It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish the race. Football guys, you know this. At the beginning of the season, we get up to 40, 45 people. Do we end the season with 40, 45 people? Nope. Nope. We, we get down to about the dirty 30 is what we call them. 30 guys that make it through the whole season. And, and you want to know what the crazy part is? As coaches, we try to motivate our players just to stick with us. So we put the team picture at the end of the year. We put what call, what's called spirit gear, your hooded sweatshirts, your sweatpants, your shorts, your T-shirts, towards the end of the year. Senior night, obviously, is the last home game of the season. There's a lot of incentives to stick with us. But no matter what the incentives are, we'll have several players each year not show up the next week. We have something from Paul that's much more incentivizing than spirit gear, spirit gear or a team pitcher. We have the key. If you want to continue in Christ as you receive Christ, Paul tells us how. And that's what this is about. And, and let me tell you this. This is very urgent for us in the room today. And it doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ. There is always a battle for your soul. There's always a battle for you to grow cold in your love for Jesus. There's always a temptation to go after other things as if something else is better than Christ. And what Paul does here is says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Church, get back to Christ. As you received him, lived in him. So, let's start out. Number one, continue in Christ. You, you see this with the very first verse. So then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him. Now, here's the awesome part. You don't have to guess how do you continue in him. How do you walk in Christ? What does that look like? Verse 7 shows us that. Now listen, this is a loaded verse. You want to continue in Christ? There's several things to do. First thing, be rooted in Christ. Be rooted in Christ. Deep roots, hold on to Jesus. 
looked up, did a little research. The tree with the deepest roots is called the shepherd's tree. It's found in Africa. It has roots that reach down 223 feet. Why so deep? Because it has to get to water. It has to get to nutrients. It has to provide life for the tree. If it doesn't have deep roots, the tree won't survive. There was a uh, professor from Rutgers, Reinfelder is his name. He says, roots sense the environment. They sense the water where there are more nutrients, and they go for these resources. Roots are the smartest part of the plant. Here's my question for you. What is your life rooted to? What are you wrapping your life around? What is your life dependent on? If it's anything other than Christ, you're building on an unsure foundation. You're building a life that will not last. It will tumble. And so if you're going to continue in Christ, make sure your roots are dug deep around Jesus. But not only are you rooted in Christ, you have to be built up in Christ. It's a strong foundation. And I love this. 1 Peter 2.5 talks about how we are a temple being built together of living stones. There's this idea that we strengthen and build up one another. It might be easy to run through one guy. It's a little bit more difficult to run through two. If you have three dudes across the line from you, you're probably not making it. It's an amazing thing how the church can help us continue in the faith by building one another up. But I also need us to understand that we're built on the foundation that is Jesus. Very, very important. I think it's a lesson you can learn from the three little pigs, right? If you have kids, you know the story. If you build your house of hay or straw... It will be toppled. A little bit better, you build it with sticks, same result. It will topple. However, if you build it brick by brick, when the big bad wolf comes, he can huff and he can puff, but the house isn't going anywhere. You wonder what I found out working with students, serving the church for a few years? We're building a lot of houses out of straw and sticks. We're not building a lot of houses out of the bricks who is Jesus Christ. You build your life on Jesus, you're going to build something that will not be moved by the winds of this world. What are you building your life on? And then you, you keep reading in verse 7, it talks about being strengthened. Being strengthened. And, and I looked up another little uh, thing. The strongest man on the planet. He goes by Big Z. From Lithuania. He deadlifts 900 pounds. DeMarcus, how much do you deadlift? How much? Just give us a ballpark. How much? How many plates are on there? All right, so DeMarcus in the weight room, you hear him. You have three 45-pound plates on each side of this bar, right? This is, this is over 300 pounds. He's moving some weight. DeMarcus is strong. Stands up, sets it down, your hands get calloused, your shoulders feel like they're about to fall, your legs get wobbly. This dude deadlifts 900 pounds, bench pressed 629 pounds. 
and then set the world record for a log lift. Now, I didn't know what a log lift is. We don't do log lifts at Holmes High School. That's a log lift. He has a log that's 500 pounds and just throws it up over his head. All right, now, it is easy to see someone who's physically strong. Usually it's easy to spot, right? You know who's physically strong for the most part. Now, here's my question. How do you know someone who's been strengthened in Christ? What does a spiritually strong person look like? Now, I've got a few examples I want to give you. I won't put anybody on the spot. A few examples that, that I thought of. I, I think a spiritually strong person is the widow who has gone through such a loss of losing a spouse for years and years and years and yet refuses to give up hope because her hope is in Christ. That is a spiritually strong person. It's the student. It's the student that doesn't compromise their lives because they're going to live for Jesus no matter if anybody around them is or not at school. It's the student that says, you know, I'm going to live a pure life to glorify Jesus. I'm going to encourage others with the words that I say. I'm not going to talk crap about other people. I'm not going to get into this conversation. I'm not going to look at this garbage. I'm going to glorify Jesus with the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. That's a spiritually strong person. It's the husband that says, you know what? I'm going to love my wife as Jesus loves the church. Spiritually strong person. It's the employee that goes to a tough job, works with tough people, has a tough boss, but doesn't complain and works to glorify God rather than himself or others. That's a spiritually strong person. And you want to know what's the awesome part? You can't tell it just by looking at them, but we have several spiritually strong people in this room. People that make lifting 500 pounds over their head look like nothing when you compare it to spiritual strength. If you're going to remain in Christ, you better be strengthened in Jesus. Now, here's the good part, the, the good news. It doesn't take long to develop some muscles. It's amazing to see how in four years, young men, their bodies will be transformed. Guy comes in, and he gets crushed by the bar, thinking he can lift this plate and this plate. You put it on, and it comes down, and you think, oh, man, he just broke his chest. But you know what? Before long, he starts lifting it, and then he starts putting on some more weight. And before long, there's a couple plates on. And before long, he's stronger than you. How does that happen? It doesn't take long, but what does it take? It takes consistency. There's no shortcuts. If you're going to be developed spiritually, if you're going to strengthen yourself spiritually, there are no shortcuts. It's day in and day out spending time with Jesus. It's through prayer. It's through taking in the word. It's through fasting. It's through encouraging one another. Are you strengthening yourself in the Lord? And then you see this. You're rooted, you're built up, and you're strengthened. How? Through what? It's in verse 7. Through faith. Through faith. You take God at his word. These are the promises of God. I'm going to live them out. This is the word of God. I'm going to follow him. It's denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. And in that, that's exactly how you receive Jesus, isn't it? 
Someone along the line, you either read it or you heard it, someone told you that Jesus died for your sin, that you can have eternal life in Christ, and you believed it. You accepted the gospel by faith. And you keep doing that your entire life, walking by faith. You believe Jesus is exactly who he said he was and is and will be. He's going to do what he's promised. He defeated death in the grave. And you do that by faith. And then Paul goes on, as you were taught. As you were taught. The word of God, teaching of the apostles. Uh, Don't leave your spiritual life to chance. Don't hope you'll make it to the end. You've got enemies out there looking to shipwreck your faith. There's so much in this world that is coming at you saying, hey, believe this, do this, live this. That's contrary to the word of God. Don't hope you'll make it to the end. And this is what I mean. As you were taught, um, Ava is getting ready to take her driving test. We're not going to hope she passes the test. We're not just going to toss her the keys and go get them. Too much at stake. We could lose our minivan. We could really injure our daughter. Like, it's a dangerous thing to drive. Many of you know this from firsthand experience. Ava, six, years, six hours for a driving course. $500. Expensive. Expensive. Is it worth it? Yep. Yep. Because somebody with a brake pedal in the passenger side is going to be able to help her navigate the road. Going to be able to show her the test that she has to pass to get her driver's license. Almost guarantees that you pass the driving test. So worth it. How much more is it that we hear from the word of God? That's what you see by teaching. Faith as you've been taught is what Paul's talking about. And then finally he says, after all of this, rooted and built up and strengthened by faith as you were taught, what happens in that life? What happens to that life? It overflows with what? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Someone who's always grumpy, who's always complaining, lets you in on a secret about their spiritual life. They're not being rooted, they're not being built up, and they're not being strengthened in Christ. Because when God is at work in their life, and and you see deep roots clinging to Christ, when you see their strength and their faith, when you see them being built up and movable by the sways of this world, what you see is someone who's very thankful for what God is doing in their life because they know it's not from their own strength and their own power. Christians should be filled with the most gratitude on the planet. The only way we make it is because Christ is with us. So here's my encouragement. Don't move on. Don't move on. The temptation will be, there's something better out there for you than what Christ gives you. I don't know how many of you guys are office fans. The the TV show, The Office. It's a little bit older, a little bit dated now. But there's two characters, Jim, who pulls all these pranks on this other character named Dwight. And Dwight's very serious. He gets to this office garage sale, and he says, I'm going to start with this tack, and I'm going to end with the most expensive item at this garage sale. And so he sells the tack for a candle, and a candle for some books, and books for a photo album. And he just keeps moving his way up, 
until finally he makes it to a $150 telescope. Right? He did it. But then Jim has these magical legumes sitting on his desk. And Dwight comes by. He's like, man, those aren't real. He's like, they're not supposed to be for sale. Jim takes them back, hides them, steps on them, throws them away. But then Dwight will come back, and those beans are back on the table. How much are those? Keeps keeps coming back around. And then finally, he goes, I guess I'll take them. Takes the beans, and Jim goes, well, I'm going to need that telescope. And Dwight gives him the telescope for these magical beans. And everybody that's watching the office knows that's a practical joke. Those beans are fake. It's not real. Whatever. He got hustled again. There's so many people that we have seen give up on Jesus exchanging it for something as worthless as magical beans. That's the warning. Did you see it in verse 6? See to it. Watch out. Be careful. This is a very serious thing because at the end of the day, your relationship with Jesus determines your eternity. Don't trade it for nothing. So, number one, continue in Christ. Number two, cling to Jesus. This is, this is pretty straightforward. You got it in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. There's so many different invitations for you to depend on so many different teachings and ideas and theories other than Christ. There's only one foundation. There's only one way. There's only one truth. And his name is Jesus. Don't be taken captive by false teaching. And it's all around. We'll give some examples in just a, a little bit. Move on to verse 9. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So here's my question. If you have Christ and the world is saying, well, you need this too, do you believe it? You have Jesus, but you don't have this, so you need to come over here. What Paul is saying is if Jesus is fully God, What does he lack? You need power? God's all-powerful. You need knowledge and wisdom? God's omniscient. He has it all. You need to be taught something? He's the wonderful counselor. Whatever you need is found in Christ. You can't add to God. And then he drives it home in verse 10. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. You see, there's false teaching going on in this church. And you're going to see a little bit more about it next week, about how we should walk. But they're being tempted to go after other things other than Christ. And what Paul is trying to get them to understand is, no, you've got to continue in Jesus, you got to be rooted and built up and strengthened by faith in Christ. you got to cling to him. There's no one else to build on other than Christ. Uh, we, we got a trampoline a couple years ago. I thought it was a terrible idea for Christmas. 
I thought it's just a matter of time till someone breaks their ankle or that thing blows away because my sister had a trampoline. And that thing took off in a windstorm. Gone. Neighbors, watch out. It's coming. So I thought to myself, how am I going to get this trampoline anchored down? Well, go online looking, and you have anchor kits. And it says you have four hooks, and that should do it. Well, I started, I'm like, I don't know. Well, when the hooks showed up, my faith grew in these hooks. They are huge. You almost need a sludge hammer to put them in the ground. And so at the bottom of the trampoline, you put these things in, and that trampoline's not moving. There was a, I, I cut the grass, you got to move it, so, so you got to take the hooks off, move the trampoline, put it back. And I thought, you know what, it's a, it's a nice day, calm day, we're, we're going to be all right. Well, I had forgotten, later on that weekend, it was not so nice. Morning comes on, windstorm coming, breezes, wind gusts up to 35 to 50 miles per hour, and I thought, uh-oh, I don't have my anchors in. It's already raining, and I thought, maybe it'll make it. I changed my mind after I saw the trampoline start to move. So I'm out in the windstorm. The girls are watching out the window. They are no help at this time. I'm out there trying to get these anchors in. But you know what? When the anchors were in, the trampoline held. And if I was really worried about this thing moving, I would chain it to my basketball goal that has 25, pound, 25 bags of concrete in its foundation. It's not moving. A tornado could come through that thing will still be standing there. What's your faith anchor to? What are you clinging to? Is it anyone or anything other than Christ? And, and this is where it really, uh, really where the rubber meets the road. Uh, DeMarcus, Cobbins, do I have any other seniors? Next year, for whatever reason, College students, move, college students, when they go off to college, are leaving the church in droves. And they're saying, well, it's a, it's a different place. I'm not close enough. I'm not going to that church. I don't get to sleep in too much, and so Sundays, I'm just going to sleep in. And it's an amazing thing how many college students are just dropping off. You want to know what we found at Redemption Church? We've had hundreds of students from Holmes High School. How many students do we have in the room right now? So whatever the reason, whatever the cause, and who knows what might happen in the future, God might bring back. But there's so many winds in this world that'll blow people all over the place. And if you're not anchored to Christ, who knows where you'll end up? I went to college, uh, Thomas More College. It's a small liberal arts Catholic school. And even there, I was taught um, the Bible can't be trusted. It's a good book, but it's not God's word, which I have a problem with. I believe the Bible is God's word, that you know the truth from knowing the word of God. I was called narrow-minded for saying uh, Jesus is the only way uh, to the Father. But you, you want to know what, when the professor called me narrow-minded, you want to know what I understood? He wasn't talking to me. He was talking to my Savior. Because it's Jesus who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And, and you want to know what I found? It's not narrow-minded if it's true, if it's the only way. 
So I didn't do too hot in that class. And, and then you want to know what's popular now? Follow your feelings. Follow your feelings. You, you want to know what's very dangerous? Man, we're tainted with sin. Our hearts are wicked. Our feelings are messed up. But you want to know who's not? Jesus. Jesus. So I'm not going to give into my feelings. I'm not going to do what feels good. I'm going to pursue and cling to and hang on to Jesus. Because I don't want to be a, a short-term Christian on this side of heaven. Because there are no such thing as short-term Christians. You guys remember the four soils? First one, the, the seed goes down, the word of God's preached, it goes down, and bird comes and takes it away. That happens, right? Satan takes what you've heard, you'll go and you'll forget about Jesus, whatever. Another type of soil, it, it grows up, it sprouts, but thorns choke out what was growing. And, and that happens. People say, hey, I'm all in on Jesus, but the cares of this world, and before you know it, they're gone. Another group, it's like against the rocks. There's some growth, but persecution breaks out. The sun comes out and scorches, kills what's there. But there's a fourth type of soil. And the seed falls on good soil, and it produces fruit. There's only one type of soil that leads to eternal life. I want to be that soil. You want to know how that happens? You continue in and you cling to Jesus. Because it's only as you are connected to the vine that you will produce any fruit. So how are you doing? How are you continuing in your walk with Jesus? How are you clinging to Jesus? What are some practical steps for us what are some practical steps for us to continue in Jesus? Prayer. And I would argue, let the Word determine your prayers. Pray the Bible. Which also means we've got to be reading the Bible. How many of you guys have Wi-Fi, Internet access? All of us in the room can get to a Bible. Some of us have 10, 15, 20 Bibles. The problem's not getting to the Bible. The problem's getting into the Bible. And, and then you want to know what else I like about this? And Glenda, I'm going to use you as an example. Um, this letter wasn't written to an individual. It was written to a church. You want to know what? We desperately need each other if we're going to make it. You can help build each other up in our walks with Jesus. So I introduced Glenda to a couple of the, the football players. And we have one guy whose name's the easiest to memorize. And you guys will understand why when I share your, his name with you. Big guy, defensive lineman. His name's Sincere. Sincere. We remember, remember his name. She remembered a few others. A couple of the guys have been here. But she made the comment, hey, I woke up this morning and I was praying for the guys I met on Wednesday night. You want to know how you help? Young guys, young girls continue in their faith, lifting them up in prayer. And you're like, well, that's simple. It's vital. It's vital. Because there's so much coming their way. Television, social media, friends, every which direction coming their way saying, you don't have to hold on to Jesus. 
Jesus isn't that precious. Jesus isn't that pearl in the middle of the field that you dig up, you sell everything for, and enjoy, go buy it. The world's saying Jesus is not worth it. We say Jesus is the only thing worth it. He's the only one. Now we'll see why. So we end with continue in, cling to, but then we see the change. And I'm just going to read this, and, and then we'll pray. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now this is very, very important. This isn't a minor surgery. It's a major surgery that Jesus does for you and for me. And you see, the people thought, make some minor changes, be a part of the covenant, something that we can do to please God, to earn favor. And what Paul is saying is, nope, Jesus does this. He changes your heart. He, he removes the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. That's what Jesus does. You see, if you're ruled by the flesh, you're going to do what the flesh desires. Say what you want to, do what you want to, sleep with whoever, live however. But if in Christ you put that to death, then you also live with Christ. Which leads to the next verse. It's not about doing, it's about what's been done. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You cannot do anything, I cannot do anything as a spiritually dead person to the glory of God. I have to be made alive. John Lackey showed me a truck filled with skeleton bones. One day I'll be dead my bones will be dry unless Jesus comes back. And you can move those bones any which direction, but none of it will bring me life. The only way these bones can live is if Jesus brings me to life. And that's exactly what he does for those in Christ. You see this, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. How? How did he do that? This is how. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You and I were in debt. And we could not pay that debt. So Jesus says, hey, give me your tab and I will pay for it. I will nail it to the cross where he lays his life down. But that's not the end of the story. You see, we never move past a bloody cross and an empty tomb. Just as we have received, we continue in that. This is what I mean, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. If you want eternal life, you only get it through Jesus. The victory that he won over sin and death in the grave, he offers to you. If you don't accept his victory, you will never know victory. The only triumph in the world over sin and death is the one you see here in Christ. There was a guy in 2008. He was a, a junior banker. His name was Jerome Carville. He was trading bad stocks back and forth, and he knew it. 
but he was making a lot of money on it so this banking system in France did not do anything about it they just said keep making us money don't give us all the details just keep doing what you're doing bad stock after bad stock after bad stock well the bottom fell out and France's banking system almost collapsed and they found out that this guy Jerome was in debt 4.9 billion dollars they take him to court and the judge says you're going to jail and you're going to be ordered to pay back 4.9 billion now he was making a hundred thousand a year do you know how many years it would take him to pay back 4.9 billion dollars 49,000 years now listen I don't know what the average life expectancy is now today but I think we ain't hitting 49,000 couldn't pay his debt you know what that's a small debt compared to what you and I owe to our God you see God requires perfection God is holy and we are not all of us have sin all of us are in desperate need of forgiveness and you want to know what the world will say hey it's not that big a deal you're not that bad some religions will say you can do enough to earn favor with God but you want to know what Jesus says your debt is huge but I paid for it he nailed it to the cross your sins my sins covered by his blood and we know the wrath of the father is satisfied with the offer of the son there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ now I don't know about you but if you've ever owed somebody a debt that you couldn't pay and someone came in to the rescue and paid that debt it changes you and that's what Jesus has done on the cross why would you ever walk away from Jesus you see how Paul has come full circle hey continue in Christ as you received him continue to walk continue to live in him and then he gives us different strategies rooted built up strengthened through faith and he says watch out don't be taken captive by all of these ideas and philosophies and false teachings cling to Jesus and then he shows us why because he's the only one that can change you from the inside out and when he does that he changes your eternity and he did it by laying his life down for you there is no one like Jesus amen amen let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for your son Lord, I pray that you help us see the glory that belongs to Christ and that everything that this world offers fades in comparison to him. Father, I pray for us in the room and I pray for those that couldn't make it this morning. I, I pray for perseverance. Pray for endurance and walking with Jesus. Help us build each other up. Help us watch each other's backs. Help us look out for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, forgiving one another, being patient with one another. Father, we want to finish the race that you've set out before us. And so we ask for your grace in helping us keep our eyes on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.